In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, and especially dear Loretta, today we consider two beautiful things that should fill us with joy. First, we consider the Reformation, and we also consider the baptism of Loretta, the washing away of all of her sins. So I'll take these up in order. First on the Reformation itself, and then on uh, Loretta's salvation. Most people are familiar with the story of Martin Luther's 95 Theses in 1517. Many are also familiar with Luther's conversion and discovery of the gospel in 1519. Uh, Many are also familiar with Luther's confession at the Diet of Worms in 1521. And these are all good and great and important events and things uh, in, in, in moments in Uh, Reformation history. But for today, I want to focus on something that happened quite a bit later, uh, very late in Luther's life. And I think that this event really reveals who Luther was, what he believed, and it tells us very clearly what the Reformation was always about from the beginning. And it tells us what it means to be a Lutheran. Since 1520, Martin Luther had been pleading and begging with the Roman Catholic Church for the opportunity for an open and a free council, for the ability to speak to the Holy Roman Emperor himself and the Pope himself, to just have that moment and opportunity. Um, He had been pleading for this for almost his entire life. And then 16 years later, on June 4th in 1536, Pope Paul III issued a formal decree for a council to to, to be held in Italy on May 23rd, the following year in 1537. Now, a number of uh, the Lutherans had reservations about even coming to this council. Uh, Some thought that it wasn't going to be a fair discussion. Others thought, well, look, if we show up, then it's implicitly acknowledging that the Pope is the head of the church. So we shouldn't even show up at all. Just don't even acknowledge him as that uh, and things of this nature. And they had even more reservations when the Pope responded. And then this is what he wrote. This is a quote verbatim. He said that the, the purpose of this council was not to have an open discussion. But here's the quote. He says, rather, the council would be for the utter extirpation of the poisonous, pestilential Lutheran heresy. The purpose of this council, he says, is for the destruction of this disease, of this heresy. What is the heresy? What is the heresy that the Lutherans are accused of? According to the Roman Catholic Church, even to this day, it's the heresy that sinful man is redeemed not by works, but by faith in the blood of Christ Jesus alone. This was anathema to them. Rome rejects this, even today. And instead, they teach that a man is saved by his own works. Now, the Pope wanted to destroy this teaching and everybody who said it, everyone who believed it and taught it. And he would do it even if he had to by force. So many Lutherans, when they heard that from the Pope, they started to waver and they started to doubt and they started to back off and say, okay, well, let's go a different route on this. But not Luther. 
He didn't waver. He had been asking for this moment. In fact, he persuaded the others to attend. He said, you have to be there with me. You go, you believe this. I know you do. And he got them to attend. And then on December 11th, 1536, John Frederick, that's uh, Luther's, uh, the, the prince of Luther's territory, he asked Luther, he says, Luther, write up a document that's going to state what it means to be a Lutheran. Everything that we believe and hold dear to our heart, what is the main teaching, just laid out there for them, and then that way we can present it. So Luther starts to work on the document. And while he's working on the document, exactly one week later, he becomes extremely sick and very weak. Uh, looking back, uh, reading the symptoms that he had, a lot of historians believe that what Luther had, in fact, suffered was a heart attack. That he had a heart attack at this moment in his life. He was 53 years old. And he was in so much pain and so much agony that he was convinced that he was going to die soon. No help. No, he was, uh, uh, they're helpless with not, no um, uh, uh, way to uh, get better from this. And he was helpless there on his bed. Uh, Luther had been asking to meet with the emperor and the pope for 16 years. Finally, when they grant his request, he suffers a heart attack. Again, Luther didn't stop. Um, now, Luther went on from this moment to live 10 more years. We know that. But here's the thing. We know that. Now, looking back, Luther didn't know that. He didn't know he had 10 more years. Nobody there knew he had 10 more years. They thought this was the end. Luther thought this was, this was it. My, my career is over. Everything I've said is going to come to an end right here. Tomorrow was not promised. He truly believed that he was in the final days of his life, that he had no tomorrow, that this was his last and only chance that he would have to speak publicly before kings and emperors. This was it. He was convinced in his mind that this document, this writing, was going to be the last thing he wrote. The very last chance he had to say uh, anything to confess his faith before the world. And the document, the, the, the letter, the document that he wrote up is called the Small Called Articles. It is named after Small Called Germany, where he was to present them, where he was to show these uh, articles to the other Lutherans. When Luther finished writing his document, um, he sent it to the other Lutherans. And then, get this, a number of weak-willed Lutherans complained at what he wrote. And they said Luther's statement of faith was too strong. That you need to tone down the language. You, you can't talk this way to the Pope and to the Emperor. You can't talk that way. Come on. They said, you got, you got to tone this down. And they, they rejected it. They didn't want to hear it. But there were 44 Lutherans who heard this and said, yes, amen. That, that is what we believe. Don't change a word. Don't change anything. Um, they accepted them as they were written. Now, uh, some time passes. Uh, Luther published these articles. He sent a note along with these articles to the other Lutherans. And on the note, like think of it today like a post-it note that he sticks to the front of it. He says this. In the case that I should die before there would be a council, as I fully expect and hope, 
Um, these words are for those scoundrels who run away from the light and avoid the day and are taking pains to delay and prevent the council. And then he says, here's the message. If I do die, those who are alive and those who come after me will have my testimony and my confession in addition to the one I issued previously. And then he says, I've remained in this confession up until now. And by God's grace, I will remain in it until I die. Uh, So Luther was right. The council was delayed again and again and again, and it was delayed for nine years. It finally took place in 1545, the year before Luther died. It took place right before that moment. Now, I know there's a lot of history uh, here, but the reason I'm telling you all of this is because I've been working up to this point in the sermon. I want to read you one excerpt from the small called articles from what we know as Martin Luther's last will and testament. This is indeed his last will and testament. If if, uh, he had one final thing to say with his final dying breath, what would he have said? This. This is what he's going to uh, read and... uh, This is what he's going to say and what I'm going to read here. The whole document is wonderful. He explains a lot of different things like the mass, the papacy, uh, baptism, excommunication, and so on. And it's all good. But I want to read you one part, one very specific part, and it is the first article. Before he writes this entire document, he starts with one thing, and this is what he starts with. He calls this the chief article. And this is what he says. He says, the first and chief article is this. Jesus Christ, our God and Lord, died for our sins and was raised again for our justification. He alone is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And God has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. All have sinned. And all are justified freely, without their own works or merits, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, in his blood. This is necessary to believe. This cannot be otherwise acquired or grasped by any work, law, or merit. Therefore, it is clear and certain that this faith alone justifies us. As St. Paul says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And also that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Nothing of this article can be yielded or surrendered, even though heaven and earth and everything else falls. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And with his stripes we are healed. Upon this article, everything that we teach and practice depends in opposition to the Pope, to the devil, and to the whole world. Therefore, we must be certain and not doubt this doctrine. Otherwise, all is lost. And the Pope and the devil... And all adversaries win the victory and the right over us. That's what he wrote. When he knew he had no tomorrow, when he thought he had no tomorrow, he had uh, no, nothing else left to say, this is what he writes and this is what he says. 
And this is what the Reformation is all about. This is what it always was about. It wasn't chiefly about the Pope. It wasn't chiefly about the invocation of the saints or chiefly about the Virgin Mary. It wasn't about Luther wanting to be a rebel and that he disagreed with the church politics or things like this or that he wanted to start a new church or initiate his own style of worship and get rid of these things. That was never the, the, the point. That, that wasn't it. That was never the chief thing. The Reformation is and always was chiefly about the word of God and how specifically it says in Holy Scripture plainly about how sinners are redeemed and how they go to heaven. In other words, being Lutheran is about how sinners are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and not by works. To be Lutheran means to have the certainty and the conviction that we can be entirely confident about our salvation. That we would have no reason to doubt because it does not depend upon us. Our salvation depends only and completely upon Christ. I want to be be crystal clear here. And I want to drive this point home. I'm not saying that we're certain of the forgiveness of sins because it's our opinion. Or because we want it to be true. Because it's nice. And it's better than the alternative. We are certain of our salvation and we do not doubt it. Because this is what the Holy Spirit has caused to be written in Holy Scripture. Because God himself said it. That's why we are certain. That's why we know we are right about salvation. When it comes to justification and theology, we know that we are in the right. Because Scripture is clear and it clearly says these words. And we will be certain and sure of it even if the Pope and the devil and the world would oppose us. The Holy Gospel is the full and free forgiveness of sins through Christ. And this, dear saints, is not just something in our life. It is everything. It is not a part of our life. It is life. Look, we we could live without a sanctuary. Christians have survived without a place to go for hundreds of years. Next week, we won't have a place to go. We're going to be outside. And we'll meet outside in the sun or the rain. Because wherever the gospel is preached, we will be there. And that means we can live without a home or a job or a family. We can live without money, without comfort, without healing and without health. We can live without all of these things, but we cannot live without the gospel, the forgiveness of sins in Christ. The holy gospel is more precious to us than all the silver and gold in this world. We need Jesus more than we need breath in our lungs. We need Jesus more than we need life in our bodies and blood in our veins. Do you, do you hear that? That is more important. That means when those things go away, you will have something more precious, far more valuable than all of them, which will not go away. We need Jesus to live for us and to die for us. We need him to redeem us, lost and condemned creatures. We need him to purchase and win us from sin, from death and the power of the devil. We need him to do it not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death that we may be his own. We need him to resurrect from the dead, to crush Satan's head for us. We need him to ascend to heaven 
to be our advocate to the Father, constantly covering our sins, declaring us holy and righteous in his sight forever. Of all the things you think you need in this life, this is what you always have and always will need the most. And what we need so much of is what he gave so much of. He held back not one tear from his eyes, not one drop of sweat from his brow, not one ounce of blood in his veins, not one breath in his lungs. He did not hold any of that back. Rather, he gave it all for you. And in giving you himself, he gave you the kingdom of heaven. And if this is all you have left in this brief life of labor, then you can be happy and cheer your broken heart because you have everything you need. Now, uh, Loretta, I know you won't understand all of this until you're older, but your father and your mother do, and they will teach it to you when you get older. And I know a day will come when you wonder why you were baptized today and not when you were older, why your parents didn't wait. Why you were brought forth to the fawn as a helpless little infant and why I poured water on your head in the name of God. And when the day comes that you ask about it, we are going to tell you that it's because, Loretta, you were conceived in sin and brought forth in iniquity. As Holy Scripture plainly says. And we'll also tell you that while you are helpless and alone and incapable of doing anything about your sin and your condition, yes, in fact, before you were in your mother's womb, before the foundation of the world, God knew you and he knew your condition. Long before you existed, long before you could believe, long before you could do any good work, God saw you and loved you. And he planned for your salvation, as Holy Scripture plainly says. He determined long ago how he would save you from hell and how he would bring you into his kingdom here this day. And his plan was to send his only begotten son, Christ your Savior, to lay down his life for you on the cross before you could ask for it. And he ordained everything in this life so that you would be brought here this day and receive his merits, his salvation and receive the crown of life. So dear Loretta, and dear Darren, and Ashley, and Reggie, dear saints of Zion, the same is true for all of you. You all have everything you need. You never, ever have to make up for your sins. You never have to pay for them. You never have to suffer for your sins. Or make satisfaction for what you've done. Because Christ has made full satisfaction for all of your sins. He paid the full price for your redemption. And this is your joy in life. This is your only comfort even when dying. The world is going to do everything they can to distract you and rip these words out of your heart. But you guard them. And you keep them. And you treasure them and you inscribe them in gold in your heart if you have to. Nothing of this, nothing, not one word of this can be yielded or surrendered even though heaven and earth and everything else pass away. For there is no other name under heaven 
given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.